I want to share a little bit about myself, just in case some of you guys don't know me. I know looking around the room, I know a lot of faces. There are some new ones. Um, so I, I do want to tell a little bit about me and just who I am. My name is Micah Johnson. I was the children's pastor here for 15 years. And, and I only say that just to tell part of my story of how I got to where I am today. Um, we all should, and I have tried to be obedient to God, and obviously not always good at that, not always perfect at that, but I knew um, between my junior and senior year of high school that I was called to ministry and very quickly learned that it was children's ministry, and I knew without a doubt that that's where God wanted me. Maybe because I act like a kid, um, but I like working with kids, and I, and I love Jesus, and so the two fit very well together. And, and I enjoyed it, and it was really what I was called to do. I got questions on when was I going to become a real pastor. That, that was a real question. Happened more than once. Um, got questions, um, you know, what's next and that type of stuff. And I never really saw what was next because I knew that I was called to children's ministry. That was my specific calling in ministry. And, and so that was really what I did. And so for, uh, from the time I was 18 until the time I was 35-ish, 36, that, that's what I did. And um, I never really looked back. And so around 2017 or so, I began, I can say it 2017 now, looking back. But God began changing something in me and stirring something different, and it scared the snot out of me. It scared me to death. Because this is all I ever knew. Um, before I started dating Katrina, this is what I was doing. Uh, Katrina and I started dating. We got married. We had three kids. This is all my kids ever knew. This is all my wife ever, never, ever knew. This is all I ever had in my life was children's ministry. And so when, when I felt something stirring in me that I was supposed to be, you're going to be doing something different, I didn't like it, and so I just pushed it away, right? That's what we do. Which is not what we should do, but it's what we do oftentimes. And so I, I kind of just pushed it away and, and found myself moving, still going in that direction. I was still, I feel like I was still pretty good at it. Uh, I still was goofy, still, you know, ran around with the kids, did stuff with the kids, did, uh, had the energy. And, and then I just found that the joy and the, and the happiness and the, the, just all the stuff was just not quite the same. And it was, it was, it was straining. When you're being disobedient, it hurts. You get this pit in your stomach. I mean, even if you're in the moment of disobedience, mom and dad say, don't do this, and you do this, and you got this, this gut feeling of, I am in the wrong, and I don't like it. But when you're in this life of, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, it's, it's hard. And um, so I got to the point about three years ago, close to three years ago, I stood right here and I gave my resignation to Valley Creek Baptist Church. And in January of 2019, I was, for the first time, without a job, a ministry position. And so I started doing woodworking in my garage. And that January, literally the first time uh, that I would not been on staff at a church, um, this organization came to E-Town saying, hey, we'd like to explore the options of coming to this community. And so they met with church leaders, and many of those church leaders from around the community started texting me and calling me and different things like that. They're like, this, this, is, this is your next job. This is what you're supposed to, this is what you were stepping away for. 
And so I interviewed, I started the conversations, I didn't have a clue what they were talking about, so I started conversations with them, and in March of 2019, no, March of 2020, I interviewed with them, and uh, they halfway offered it to me and pulled it back at the same time, uh, because they were like, did we get this thing? Because you all remember what happened in March of 2020? What started? They was like, we don't really know what this COVID, this corona thing is. We're, let's wait a few weeks. Remember that language? Let's wait a few weeks and see what happens. 18 to 20 months later, um, we circled back, and I wasn't necessarily waiting specifically on them. I was just waiting on what God had next. But uh, churches and nonprofits and things like that, everything was up in the air. Uh, other people were hiring. Uh, Robbie Walters was hiring. That's why I went and worked for him. Um, other people were hiring. And, um, and so I just made a paycheck. And I supported my family and, and tried to be faithful in, in that. And, and honestly, even in the 18 months of uncertainty, it felt better than the 12 to 18 months of disobedience. Um, and so it was... It was a difficult time even with that. So I say all of that to, to lead into Hope Collaborative. Hope Collaborative is the organization I'm with now. And we go into schools, into the public schools. We're a Christian organization that goes into the public schools um, in mentoring. Our job is to pair um, an adult male up with two to four students, boys, uh, an adult female up with two to four uh, female students, and just to help them succeed. Just have conversations with them once a week. Jacob, our student pastor, along with some other folks within our church, are already doing this. And, and we're seeing phenomenal results. Just we as a church, and we have for years, the 18 or 17 years that I've been around here, we have told you to get involved in life groups. That being involved in life groups is important. Being involved with each other is important. It's the same thing with our students. They need someone or someone else who cares. Someone who's going to come behind them and champion them and help them and encourage them. They may have a great mom or dad at home who's already doing this. And same for us as parents. We do this and we should want this. But I also need other people in my daughter's lives. I need other people in my son's life. I need these things to help me and my wife succeed as parents. To help my kids succeed. And so... To say it's just a vulnerable child who, who's at a single parent home or, or who is coming out of poverty or coming out of these situations, it's not just that. It's anything. Just helping a kid have a voice to be heard and to let them see that they have value. And so I'm going to dig back into that. That was the intro into uh, my job now and where I am at now because it's, it's been a little while and it's, it's taken a little while to get to this point. But I want us to open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bible, turn it to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 1. Matthew chapter 13. And Jesus teaches in parables. And I said it in the first service and, and I love it. <clears throat> and I... I love it because that's kind of how I learn, but it's also how I teach um, with illustrations. Jesus, I mean, Jesus was God coming to earth. And so if he shared his knowledge with us at his level, there would be no comprehension. And if we did comprehend it, I think it literally could blow our minds. I mean, it would just be unbelievable for us to try to grasp God's knowledge 
that he's trying to give us. And so Jesus knows that. Jesus being fully God and fully man, he's like, hey, how do I bring it to their level? Well, let's do it through stories. And he does it through parables. And this parable is of the seed sower. Starting in verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And a great crowd gathered around him. So he got into the boat and he sat down. And a whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell upon rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Other seeds fell among good soil. And produced grain, some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has an ear, let him hear. And Jesus would tell these parables, but then he would also come back later to either a group uh, or just to everybody or, or maybe just to his disciples and he would um, break it down a little bit, which I think is, is even more helpful because you can, you can hear this and you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, Jesus is into agriculture. We like that, don't we, Maddie? Like, he's in ag. That's not really what it's about. If that was the case, you know, you're like, okay, Jesus liked sheep and he liked farming. Okay, cool. No. Now let's break it down a little bit. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for the, the ones that were sown along the rocky ground, this one is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in, it, in, root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, um, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word and proves it unfruitful. As for the one who's sown into the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in some cases hundredfold, sixty, and thirtyfold. Sometimes when you plant, it produces great fruit. It produces great uh, harvest. And so, again, Jesus doesn't necessarily care. Yes, he's in, he wants people to succeed, but he, he, he's looking at four different types of soil. And if you're casting out seed, whatever type of seed that would be, if we're strictly looking at agriculture, if you're just casting out seed and you cast it onto the pathway, the pathway has been packed down so tight, it's as tough as concrete, Right? And so if you cast out seed along the pathway or some falls along the pathway, basically you just fed the birds, right? And so when the gospel is shared on the, and, and it's on such hard soil, their heart is super hard. They're not receiving it and it basically just bounces off. It's immediate rejection. No, get out of my face. Then you've got the soil that maybe is packed down tight um, 
or you can't, uh, J.W. Miller came up to me after the first service and said, the ground is pretty hard right now, Lewis, does that sound about right? And uh, he said, we didn't get to plant real deep this year. He said, we had to take a chance though. So this was really neat to hear because I'm not a farmer. I'm not, I don't have a green thumb. I don't have any abilities of any kind in this regard. So it was neat to hear him say, he said, we, we maybe got a half inch deep planting, but we had to, we had to start planting. I said, well, how deep do you want to go? He said, we want to go at about an inch. That way you can get about an inch or so of sprout and then it goes down. He said, right now, that half inch is kind of scary because it might sprout up and get scorched by the sun and wither away and die. But in the farming world, you really, you really have to roll the dice oftentimes. But in our lives, what we want to do is we want to plant in good soil. We've got soil sometimes that, Lewis, would this be good for planting? That would not probably produce rocks. You know, this, this would not be good for farming. This would not be good for producing much fruit. Uh, I'll clean this up later, Andrew, so sorry about that. Um, this, this is really life, though, right? Anytime we start, even if we started a little garden in our backyard, we're probably going to start turning the soil. We're going to get rid of whatever's living, whether that's grass, whether that's weed. We're going to get rid of all of that stuff, and we're going to get the soil turned over, and we're going to try to get rid of all of the junk. We're going to try to get to a point where, and we might even throw in a little substitute with miracle Grow or Scott's Turf Builder, Right? Now, that's in a home garden. We can't do that out in, the, in 20 acres or so. But the whole point is this. We want to remove obstacle after obstacle after obstacle so that when that seed is planted, it can grow. So this soil is a little bit better, and then this soil is pretty near perfect because scientifically they've done a lot to make it pretty near perfect. So this is the one that's going to grow 100 30 or 60 fold. So in our life, when we look at the gospel right now, it should be dirty sharing the gospel. I've got dirt under my fingernails. And if we're literally going out and turning the soil so that someone can hear about Jesus, it may take a while to get from this to this to where they're ready to receive that seed, that gospel seed to be planted. And so we have to have blisters. We have to have dirt on our fingernails. We have to have some maybe blood, sweat, and tears, literally all of it combined, so that we can have someone ready to receive that gospel seed. Now, the interesting part about this is I told you that my job is to work with public schools, right? So how do we do that? How do we... In a Christian organization, as a church, we have always gone, this church has always gone into schools and served and helped. We have seen that as super important for a long time. There was one day I was there for a meeting and I saw Luke and Holly sitting in uh, the conference room, literally serving food, providing lunch for Lincoln Trail Elementary. We've done that for a long time. How do, why do we do that when we can't go in and say Jesus? Well, because we're being Jesus. We're going in and being Jesus. When you plant a gospel seed, there are three outcomes that could happen. One is rejection. That's on the hard soil that 
doesn't even penetrate, that literally the birds take away almost immediately. It's bird seed. So immediate rejection. Is that a win or a loss? What's it feel like? Don't give me the church answer. What's it feel like? It feels like a loss. Okay, so you've got, the, you've got this soil here that's not all that great. Um, and and it might, they might go, oh, this sounds really cool. And then they're done talking. And you're like, and nothing. They're done. So it maybe sort of went in, but it didn't grow. Nothing really happened. Does that feel like a win or a loss? Feels kind of like a loss. Kind of, it wasn't a no, it wasn't a yes, so it's kind of somewhere in the middle. Come over here, and, it, and, and the, the seed goes down into the soil. The soil goes over, it gets water, it's cultivated, it grows immediately. You share Jesus and immediately see results. God does a work in their heart, and they say, absolutely, let's pray together right now. Win or loss? Win. So, in, in almost everything in life, Students, 33%. Is that passing? No. And your parents are laughing. Guidance counselor over here is laughing like, you better not come home with a 33%. The only time that that is ever successful is in the world of baseball, which is weird. If you bat 333, you're doing really good. But in everything else, it's a failure. Okay? But in the gospel, it's not our job to make it grow. It's our job to sow it. It's our job to share it. So we were obedient and faithful when. We were obedient and faithful when. We were obedient and faithful. And we did see results on this one, but it's still just a win. It's still a win. Because if we look at a couple verses of Scripture, 1 Peter 4.12 says, If you are rejected for my name, for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the Spirit and the glory of God rests upon you. Luke 6, 22 and 23 says, Blessed are you when men hate you, when they reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice! in that day and leap for joy for great is your reward in heaven it sounds so counterintuitive to say rejected and rejoice in the same sentence i know in my dating life when i got rejected i didn't which didn't happen much guys it's okay um don't laugh at that too much oh my gosh um rejection doesn't make make you go yes No, it's not exciting. It's not fun. But when we're obedient and when we're faithful to what God has called us to do, we have done our part. We are good. We have got to change our mindset of I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, to I get to do this. I got to get up and go to church. I got to do this. I got to read Uh, because there are commandments and there are things that God tells us to do. But if we only do them because God said, do it. We're missing a big part of it. We get to come to church and we get to worship and we get to talk to him. We get to talk to God in prayer. So how does that work in in a a ministry position that goes into a secular church and state position? So when we look at the Great Commission, 
We're told to go and baptize. We're told to go and disciple. We're told to, to make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Guess what? Hope Collaborative can't necessarily do that. But we do get to take part in the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love people. It's what we do. We can't go in and speak Jesus in our mentoring sessions. We can't go in and say, hey guys, let me tell you about a hope that is greater than any other hope. But when Jacob goes in and, and his mentor group at East Harden, he can share a hope. It may be a lower H, K, lowercase h hope, maybe not living hope, but he can share a hope of a better tomorrow. He can share uh, a smile. He can share someone who cares, someone who listens, someone who's there. He can share those things. And each week, maybe all that he does is pulled out a rock, pulled out some weeds and some leaves and some junk so that week after week after week, our mentors are cultivating the soil they're coming out, they're having to wash their hands, they're having to clean themselves up, not literally, but figuratively, because they're, they're working with students. They're working with students. Our, our educators are doing this every day, all the time anyway. They're working with students, that students who are hurting, students who are broken, students who are in great shape, but just need someone else who's there. And so each week, they're pulling out a rock to a point where maybe... Jacob, I keep pointing at Kim. You're not Jacob, but you, you know, you're the better half. Um, you, to the point where you maybe in another scenario outside of that school building can share the gospel and your, your soil is ready. Or maybe somewhere along the way, maybe Luke's at East one day and, and runs across this kid, and uh, maybe not at East or just somewhere down the road. God is bigger than church and state, guys. God is bigger than a separation of church and state. And so someone else comes along and begins to talk to this young man. And this young man is like, hey, this guy reminds me a little bit of Mr. Jacob. I like this guy. And instantly his soil and his heart is a little bit different because someone has prepared the way. Someone has prepared and taken the rocks out. Jacob may never, ever see the results of that. I have 19 different mentors. And I'm using Jacob just because many in this room know Jacob. We may never see the results of that cultivating of the soil. But somewhere along the way, something might take place. You might be the one who gets to share it outside of the church or the school walls. You might be able to do that at some point later. So there's a story of, of one of our Oldham County mentor groups and it's really powerful because Oldham County's been running for seven or eight years now. And, and so they've got the longevity and the stories that are, are, you know, have some results fully coming from. I'm going to tell you all kinds of stories from Hardin County already. Um, but this mentor in Oldham County has been with her girls since their freshman year and just graduated them this last May. She said, I heard X, we're just going to call this young lady X, laugh out loud for the first time in four years. I met her in the fall of 2017. This email came in April. So this was just a couple months ago. 
I met her first in the fall of 2017 when she was a freshman and she was part of a group due to severe anxiety. She was eating lunch in the counselor's office and didn't really speak much to anyone. She kept her bangs long and covered her eyes and her face. In the beginning, it was a success just to get her to show up with no expectations uh, for her to say anything or really join in. But over the years, she was slowly coming out of her shell and gained confidence and willingness to take a chance to be part of the conversation, this year especially. The other two girls in the group have done a great job reaching out to her and making her feel included and drawing her in. Now she comes to the group without having to be called down each week. She's usually the first one there. She is willing to take a risk and will talk and interact with the group. She has cut her bangs so that you can see her face, exclamation point, so you can just see this mentor's excitement. We have been able to see her confidence grow, and then the other day she actually laughed out loud, and it was wonderful. For four years, this mentor has just probably felt like this every single week going into that mentor session. Just don't feel like you're making any progress. But she kept plugging away. For four years, she kept plugging away. She kept plugging away. And who knows, her soil, which may have been super rocky, super thorny, super weed-filled, began to get cleaned up a little bit. And then graduation comes, and guess what happens after graduation? There goes church and state. Our rules are we work within the school context, and so this mentor doesn't have any outside contact with this young lady for the young lady's safety and for our safety as mentors. But she's a young adult. She potentially is an 18-year-old woman, and this mentor could take her to coffee and share Jesus with her. This mentor could say, hey, you know what's drove me more than anything over the last four years? Yes, I love you girls so much but I have a love for Jesus that is far greater. Do you think the results of her telling her about Jesus would have been that productive over here or over here? She would have, she has a great chance now of hearing and receiving the gospel 160 and 30 times the results. It is going to be way more productive to have these things happen. And again, Someone else may come along and share the gospel with this young lady. Someone else may have that opportunity to see that immediate fruit and result. And that, this person comes and goes, can I share with you about Jesus? And she's like, okay, sure. She lays it out. And the girl goes, absolutely, can we pray right now? And this person was like, man, that was easy. She had no idea that this mentor had worked for four years on that soil for four years working on that heart. Now, my fear and danger in saying this to you guys is giving you all an excuse to not directly share the gospel. This is what um, you have to do as a high school guidance counselor, right? You cannot directly, I can look at my wife as well, other educators in the room, you cannot directly say these things, but you can be Jesus every single day. But the rest of us, the students in this room, don't use this as an excuse. Oh, I'm just working the soil. I'm just building that relationship. I, I, I'll share with them soon. Or someone else will share with them soon. Uh, we, we'll get there. At some point, 
The relationship is there. It, de- it shouldn't take four years. The relationship is there. Say the name of Jesus. Share Jesus directly. That whole story of that is spending four years or more is under the, the, the handcuffs of church and state. You have to follow the rules in those scenarios, especially us as a nonprofit organization. We have to follow the rules. But you all in your workplace and in your school context as students and in your life and your world around you, you are wide open. Share Jesus directly. We have to have good, loving people in the life of our children. Whether it's through being a a Sunday school small group leader for the kids, preschool. Because guess what you're doing in the nursery by changing a diaper? You're preparing the soil. That's a bad illustration. (laughs) It might look very similar too. Uh, (laughs) Didn't write that one down. <laughs> um, but nursery and preschool, guess what? You're not going to see 160, 30-fold results. You're not seeing life-changing decisions in that department. But what you're doing is you're preparing them for Crystal. You're preparing them for Jacob so that when Jacob and Crystal get them and they've been loved on, they've been sung to, they've been cared for in the simplest of ways, Now they hear the gospel and they're like, huh. They have heard the gospel their whole life and not even realized it. Even before they even heard straight up the life-saving knowledge of what Jesus can do for them. So maybe it's serving in those ways through, through the church here in the building. Maybe it's doing it outside of the building. We need good, godly men and women to band together and to help our students. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 through 9. I planted, Apollos watered, but God, have, God gave the growth. So neither he who planted nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. We are God's field and God's building. You are God's field God's building. We have got to start working and not worrying about who gets the credit. It didn't increase Valley Creek's numbers. So what? There's not more in the offering plate. So what? Is there another one going to heaven one day? That's the goal. So what if they went to a church down the street? Guess what? Somebody else shared the gospel from their church doors and they ended up down here we got to stop worrying about who gets the credit for any of these things. And we have to start serving and living it out. So today's invitation is this. Have you ever accepted Christ into your life? Have you heard about this Jesus that I've spoken about? Have you, have you been the hard soil, the rocky soil? Are you ready to receive today? Do you know that you have a God who loves you so much that the punishment of of death and hell that you and I deserve for the wages of sin is death? That means we deserve a punishment. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. 
You and I deserve a punishment, but God gave us a gift through Jesus that all we have to do is say, God, I'm sorry for my sin, and I want you in my life, and I need you. I need you. And he'll come. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe it's, maybe it's you going, you know what? This is me maybe stretching the, the parable a little bit. Maybe you're looking at your own soil going, man, my soil is probably pretty nasty right now. Maybe you need to do some, own, your cult, some cultivating of your own soil. Maybe you, you're looking going, there is absolutely no way God can grow right now in me because of all the junk. And I need to pick out some rocks. I need to examine myself and help give God the ability to grow in me. And so if that's you, come, come to the altar and say, God, help me. I think we could all do this at all different times. Every day, he must increase, we must decrease. Every day, there should be this take up the cross. There should be this thing of, of saying, I should get more and more of this stuff out so I can have more and more of him. But maybe you're going right now, it's just, it's my, I hope nobody could see my flower pot that is my life because it would just be full of junk. Well, come and pray. Andrew's going to be down front. You all can pray. And then if there's, a, if there's a time and opportunity for you to serve, if there's an opportunity, if there's a way that you want to jump in, and uh, whether it's through Hope Collaborative, whether it's through Valley Creek, uh, you will not be turned away if you say, I want to serve 100%. We will find a place for you in this building with these kids uh, cleaning up after a sermon illustration. No matter what you do, you are serving God and you are helping to expand his kingdom. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the ability to be loved, the ability to come and speak to you the ability to be forgiven. And we thank you for that. God, I pray that as, as these words have been spoken, that uh, maybe they'll penetrate our minds and our hearts, even to myself, and that you will grow something amazing in us and out of us. And we can see so much in our community and in our church and in the world around us. So God, we thank you again for who you are. And we ask that you help us to go from here now. It's in your name we pray. Amen.